Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm so excited you're here today, as always. <laughs> today, I have a very special guest, my co-author from the new anthology, Horror Erotica, called The Femdom Coven. On my podcast, I talk about all things related to sexuality, sexual health, erotica. I talk to erotica authors, specialists, and experts in the field of sex in some way, shape, or form. And I talk about sex toys and do sex toy reviews. So if you're under 18, it's time to leave the podcast now. This is not for you. This is an adults-only podcast. Okay, I am so excited about the release of our book. It is called The Femdom Coven, edited by Jay Willoway, and it is on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. And I am going to add the link to that book on Amazon down in the podcast notes in the text section so that you can easily access it. And I have Jamie Wagner here, who is one of my co-authors in the book. There are 16 authors, all of us who have created stories for this Halloween-type book from the makers of the Silver Pigtail-winning book, Ye Will Obey, which we released in December of 2020. So this is the second book. A new anthology, The Femdom Coven, featuring a not-so-sweet 16 stories of the ghoulish, gothic, and so erotic. Kneel, submit, and be thoroughly enchanted, for none can resist The Femdom Coven. This book is so sexy because it has voices from 16 authors and all the topics of the stories are in some way related to horror. They are enchanting stories, werewolves, witches, goddesses. My stories about a giantess are about hypnosis, hypnotic, anything and everything to do with sort of erotic horror, BDSM, those types of topics. And I hope you will find our book. It is perfect for this time of year. It is so sexy and steamy and intense. And you will get a wide array of stories in one anthology. So, and I'm really excited to have this guest on here because I really enjoy Jamie's work. Jamie Wagner is a queer, trans, divorced, and polyamorous writer who lives near Minneapolis, Minnesota. She has been a semi-professional NHL writer, a blogger, and a barbecue chef at different parts in her life, and lives with her cats in an increasingly alarmingly collection of tiny, giant robots. She has short stories published in several anthologies and post Fractured Fantasies Twitter micro-stories, where she explores different ideas about gender, power dynamics, and monsters. Her goal is to write the great lesbian werewolf novel when she isn't working at her day job in IT. And we get a special treat because we are going to get a reading excerpt. So I am so excited you're here and I want to welcome you, Jamie Wagner, to my podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you. Are you so excited for our anthology or what? I am. It's been fun to work with everybody. 
what went from being kind of the the little joke as we worked on the first book is now the theme of the second. And I love yeah. that. And it's been fun. You know, everybody's stories in the first collection we did with Jay Willoughby was so fun to read through everyone's work and see everybody's ideas. So I'm very much looking forward to what everybody's come up with for this one. Yeah, I really enjoyed one thing I really, really enjoyed about our first book, which is called He Will Obey, which is edited by Jay Willoughby. I don't want to say Will Obey or Will Obey. I don't know if I say it right. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I don't know. He's not here. He doesn't get a vote right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I love the wide variety and the wide number of range of voices in that book. I mean, it's really astounding to think of all the different types of erotica that are in that one book. There, it is. And it's even though it's you know got that theme of the feminine domination of a man and you know a, a good submissive toy. <laughs> yes. So many different interpretations, so many different ways of coming pulling that together. Uh, you know, so many different scenarios and emotional vibes. And it's just such an, I love when you can kind of read one story and, you know, it's like, oh my God, that's hot. And then you read (laughs) the next one and it's a totally different vibe, but you're still like, oh, that's still really hot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is, I just think it's really, really awesome and really amazing to have that many voices and that many perspectives and that many hot, erotic, sexy brains sharing in one book. I mean, that's damn cool. (laughs) And we're doing it again. We are. And it's been neat to see because I think pretty much the minute Jay said, do you want to do another one? Everybody just was immediately like, yes. Yes. And I think that says a lot for just how well this group of writers got along. And, you know, we kind of indirectly brainstormed. And then, you know, the way we were able to help each other and help promote the first book and, you know, everybody really connected, I think. And we've got a really fun group of people, really good sense of humor. So we do. And then we even won an award. How awesome was that? Yeah. The silver pigtail was such a nice surprise. Oh, that was so, so exciting. I know. I'm so excited. We got, we got second place. So that was, that was a great surprise. So yeah, <laughs> I can't was, wait. Even though I've had some e, some short stories released online and a couple eBooks, that was technically my first print book. So for me, it was also that kind of a hilarious moment of, you know, warning, you know, letting people know I got published and my mom saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a copy and being like, mom, it's porn. I know I'm still <laughs> going to buy a copy. And, you oh, know, I love that. Getting, I love that. <laughs> getting her copy for Christmas and dedicating it to her was, <laughs> that was kind of one of those surreal experiences, but it was fun. What an awesome mom. Yay, mom. You're awesome. Wherever you are, you are awesome. <laughs> love that. It's fantastic. So I am going to put all your links down in the podcast notes too, but on Twitter, you are fantasies fractured. Fantasies fractured. Yes. Right. But if people want to search you, they have to do the app. So it's fantasies fract one. Yes. Because unfortunately, Twitter does not always like long names. <laughs> I know. I know. It's Twitter. Twitter's got so many quirks. It drives us crazy, right? Yeah. It, has, it has good parts too. I'm not going to knock it because it has a lot of good parts too. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So Jamie, I would love if you would like to share a portion of a story with us. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely. So whenever you're ready, we are excited to hear it. So this is an excerpt from my story that's going to be in the Femdon Coven. It's called Do As Thou Wilt. Oh, Lilith said with a soft, happy sort of purr. I didn't realize we had a guest. Elise, she answered and offered her hand. Lilith reached out to turn the gesture into a forearm clasp, and Elise realized her well-muscled arms had been tattooed with subtle vines and flowers that seemed to get thicker and more vibrant as they traveled up beneath her sleeves. I'm glad you made it tonight, she replied with a little smile that seemed to go directly to the back of Elise's brain. Did you enjoy the show? What I saw of it, Elise confirmed, her eyes wandering to the whip. You've got a very nice touch with that. Lilith's smoky chuckle was reminding her of how much big, confident, strong women were her type. I've had a lot of practice, but you had some questions for me. Questions? It took a moment to pull her brain out of her hormones. Oh, right. Yes, from the form. That didn't make much sense at all. Lilith nodded and gestured towards the cross. Elise would have sworn the padded bench a few feet away from it hadn't been there during the scene. Why don't we sit for a second and we'll see what happens after we talk for a bit. Yeah, she murmured, her eyes drawn back to the cross for a long moment before she settled down on the nearer side of the bench. Yeah, I think I'd like to see what happens after that. I do love a girl who knows what she wants. Elise knew that she was blushing like a teenager, but she couldn't stop herself. Good to know. Awesome. I should have asked you this in the beginning. So this is a book about, it has a lot of like, it's not necessarily a Halloween book, but it has a lot of that kind of mystique of Halloween. What mm-hmm. type of, uh, those kind of characters do you have in your story? So... When we decided on the Femdon Coven as the name of the book, I immediately thought of witchcraft. Uh, So this is a story uh, that's set in New England. It's set up in a rural part of Maine, not too far where some of my family used to live and near where a friend actually lives. So I kind of said, why don't I start with this town and kind of spread out a bit and find a nice spot that would kind of fit where I want to put this story. And then you have some good old-fashioned New England witchcraft to go with it. Nice. Very nice. Actually, my story, my main character is also a witch. So that's exciting. (laughs) Can't wait to read yours. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm really excited for that and to see what everybody has. I'm sure there will be a few others that have a couple more. I'm curious to find out, like, how people have taken that and how people are going to play with it. You know, I'm sure that theme of kind of the spooky and the Halloween and maybe a little bit of spoopy in there too, but yeah, exactly. And I heard someone was going to do something kind of medieval. I don't know if that'll end up, if that's where they went, but I'm really curious to find out. (laughs) Yeah. I would be very happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to read this book and it's so much fun. I love just all these voices in one book, as we said a little bit ago, it's just awesome. Well, I have an icebreaker question, which usually I start with this, and I don't know why I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all out of sorts. So it is a sexual question. And if you do not answer it, that's totally fine. 
what is your favorite sexual position? And I definitely won't complain if you tell me why. That is <laughs> so. I don't know if this there's a name for this one, but okay. it's something that happened recently, and I really enjoyed it. Nice. I actually wrote a little short story about this that's available online. We can talk about that in a minute. Oh. But I am polyamorous and mm-hmm. queer and also trans, though that doesn't matter as much for this. Right. But I had one of my partners and I had a friend over and we weren't necessarily planning to go past just like hanging out and watching a movie and cuddling, but it did. (laughs) And at one point I ended up on the bed seated with one of them basically in my lap with my hands restraining them and the other one going to town on top of them. And that was a lot of fun. And I have to say that I think I had the best seats in the house. But I very much enjoyed that. And uh, I kind of enjoyed both being restraining and getting that opportunity to play with one of them while they were restrained and also kind of being restrained myself. Uh, Yes, I could see that. (laughs) That's a very interesting story. I have to read your story. That's very intriguing because you you sort of are restrained a little bit because the person was on you, correct? Is that kind of where you're? Yeah. So I basically had, and both of, because both of them were kind of balancing on me, I had both of their body weights kind of pressing into me. Sure. And yeah, that. That was real fun. It was very hot. <laughs> Sounds very intriguing and sensual and very exciting. <laughs> Definitely. That's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> so where can people find your writing? Obviously, we are we were talking about the two anthologies. Is there anywhere else that you have posted stories that people could read? I do. So there's a couple places you can find me online. One, I do a lot of writing that features not just kink, but hypnosis and trance Ah. and things like that. So there is a website called Read Only Mind that is dedicated to collecting those type of stories. Mm. And I have them there. I'll give you the link that you can put in your podcast notes. Yeah. Uh, But I have quite a few stories there. And then on that Fantasies Fractured Twitter account, so that's Fantasies Fract 1 on Twitter, I have both Twitter kind of exclusive stories that are basically kind of using that micro story format and kind of playing with those limits and those restrictions that Twitter posts give you to do different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also links to my work, other work there. And then actually, and aside from telling a few people on my uh, personal side, you're one of the first people to hear this. I have two stories that are being published shortly by JMS Books. Oh, nice. One of which is going to be released in the first part of October. Oh, how it exciting. A, yeah. It is a short story called Drown the Man. And it features a love. It's, it's a romance and a bit of a, a weird little love story between a between somebody who is looking for a way out of their life and a woman who might just have an answer. And then there is a second book that'll be coming out in the holiday season. That's called holiday garage. And that one is basically 
more of a regular romance with a holiday theme. It is featuring two women. I don't know if you may have seen this or not, but last Christmas or so, somebody was asking, where are all the queer Hallmark movies? And I decided I'd write one. And it's about a woman who breaks down, her car breaks down on Christmas Eve and the nearest mechanic is in a sleepy little town and uh, there's no hotels. So the mechanic offers her a place to stay at her, at her apartment, which is right above the garage and uh, Ah. things start to happen. Very nice. It's a lesbian story. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Well, congratulations. I am so excited for you. That is really, really cool. How fun. I'm actually writing a lesbian story myself right now. So that, that's why I wanted to ask and clarify yeah. if that's where you meant you were going with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, it's a lesbian romance and it's like one character in that one identifies explicitly as a lesbian and the other one is a bi woman. Uh, uh, yes. But yeah, all works out to yep. the same end. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. I'm really excited. I'm excited to check those out too. So, you know, and when those go live, the cool thing about my podcast is that when they go live, I can actually go back into this episode and I can add those links to the books. Yeah. I like so then that. people can access it because, you know, the podcast episode will stay on forever. So yeah, so that that's good. Even if it's in the future, it can still be added. <laughs> okay. So what One of my first questions here on my little handy list is, why did you choose to write erotica? Like, what was your trigger that brought you to think, hmm, this is what I would like to write about? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're the man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. So. 
I have always been somebody who, when I was kind of finding, you know, you know, the people that are like, oh, I stole my dad's Playboys or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I didn't always get that interested in the pictures, but stories and the letters always uh, grabbed my attention. Yeah. And as I got a little older and started looking online, I found things I liked. I found things that I wasn't as into. And I eventually decided to start writing because I've always been like one of those people that enjoys writing just as a casual, this is how I relax kind of thing. Uh I've written conventional short stories. I've written fan fiction. I've written, I've actually got a novel that I'm working on that I'm working with an editor right now and hoping to get it to where we can publish it in the next year or two. Awesome. Um, You know, it's the good old, you know, American werewolf romance story that everybody needs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you write under more than one name. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. I've got a couple, I've got a couple names. Jamie is my actual name. And Uh increasingly I've been writing under it for stuff because I realized I can write across genres and, you know, if somebody sees something that's like, oh, that person wrote porn. I don't know if I want to buy their story. Well, frankly, they probably didn't want to buy my story anyway. So whatever. Right. That is a Um, very good point. Thank you. But yeah, I, I just, I started thinking about the stories I wanted to read and the stories I wanted to tell. And sometimes they were the same thing. And, you know, it was fun to just put something together and share it. And especially the first time I got reactions from people I posted, I'm about to date myself here, but I posted uh, an erotica story in a live journal group and that got a lot of positive feedback. A bunch of people complimented it and said, Hey, this was hot. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm saving this. And that was a big ego boost and it really felt great. So I decided I want to keep doing this. And I only started looking at kind of putting them out there more regularly in the last couple of years. As I transitioned, I realized that my writing was not only a vehicle for working through a lot of my feelings about myself and my body and about what I wanted to become or who I needed to be, but also expressing more of things I wanted or things that I realized were uh, desires that I'd never had a chance to explore. And sometimes it's a lot easier to write about it first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you're saying because I've felt a lot of that myself and can definitely identify. Yeah. Uh, it was just one of those ways that I could put myself out there and put ideas out there. And especially part of why the Twitter account is actually originally called Fantasies Fractured is at first I wanted to keep it away from my vanilla identity because I hadn't come out yet. Right. Um, and so I, I walled it off like the Berlin Wall and like Checkpoint Charlie wasn't as secure as this. <laughs> I get it. Again, totally. Hating myself. <laughs> but the more I put stuff out there, I realized that I could share things. I could put things out there. And after I came out, 
that's actually part of why I started publishing more stuff just under my name is that I realized, you know, this is just as much a part of me as anything else. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not ashamed of sharing these stories and sharing these ideas and things I love. I will say that there are some stories where I've tried to be careful about, you know, if they're inspired by something that actually happened or, you know, things involving actual people, partners or whatnot. I've tried to be very careful about how much I reveal and, you know, kind of obscure details or identities or things like that. And then of course, like half the time I put the thing on Twitter and the person who's involved, who I was writing about or who inspired the story is just like, Hey, look, this is me. They did, they did this because of me. And it's just like, well, so much for plausible deniability. I know. But... Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is you interesting. Know. You know, I've done that too, where I pull in characters and sometimes I'll just take a piece of a person, a real person and then mm. create the rest. But yeah, you have to decide how much of that you're going to keep and how much you're going to like fill in with different things. How much you're going to alter that. If you're going to do that kind of thing, how much you're going to alter that person yeah. into a character. <laughs> Like I, I actually have uh, Lilith in the story for the Femdon Coven is very much inspired by a friend who is a local member of our leather scene and a Dom who is a lot of fun to play with. And sure. I tried, you know, it's not like I just lifted and shifted her in there, but I tried to kind of inspire the energy she has and try to embody that. So that was really fun. And it was, it was neat to actually send her an early version of the story and say, I'm trying to kind of get this voice to be a person like you. Mm. How do, what do you think? And she was very touched that I had thought of her that way and was very, she she was having a bad day and that was a nice pick me up for her. So I appreciated that I was able to make her day a bit better. Oh yeah. That's so nice. And to have those people that you can like kind of use as a consultant yeah, is very valuable. That's a huge, that's a huge connection. And you know, you, you want to do that. You want it to be accurate and you want it to flow right. And so sometimes you do have people that you ask, I do that too, that you ask about certain things, like, is this plausible? Does this make sense? I'm trying to make this, you know, a certain way. Does it make sense? Does it work? You know, mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where my uh, partners can be really great. Oh, that's very, very cool. So what is your favorite part of the writing process? Do you like when you're thinking of an idea or when you're actually writing it? What Which part is like your favorite? I think I'm like a lot of authors that the writing is the worst part of writing. <laughs> Some days it really just, it flows out. And some days it's just like pulling teeth, Mm -hmm. but I love when I can have an image in my head and I can feel the story kind of come together around it. Yeah. You know, those moments where you see something or you imagine something and it just kind of all starts to fall into place for this one. Uh, The image I actually started with was a group of women standing around a fire okay, and singing. And Mm. it's like, okay, 
why are they singing? What's going on here? And it all just kind of came together as I kind of worked backwards for how they got to that point and then how we go past that point and what happened after that. Just yay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great idea. So did you see something or was it just an image that kind of popped in your head or did you actually see something like this somewhere and that was your inspiration? This was something that popped into my head, um, kind of built from there. My brain just sort of popped it together. I love it when that happens, when things pop in my head. <laughs> yeah. One of those people, it's funny because I can't like, like I cannot draw to save my life. Mm. I actually have, I've got a neurological condition with my hands where that just does not happen. Oh, sure. Um, but I tend to think in images as much as I do in words. And I just get this thing in my head and it's like, I can't draw this with, you know, a pencil or with a pen, but I can write it and try to bring it to life that way. Sure. So that's a lot. (laughs) That's very cool. That's very interesting. So you're kind of more, a little bit more of a plotter than a pantser, or do you kind of feel like you're kind of a combo? It's a combo. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's like I have three or four solid, you know, this goes to this, goes to this. And then it's like, okay, how do we connect all of that together? And that's where the the pants tends to come into play because sometimes I'm one of those people that the characters definitely take on a life of their own sometimes. Sure. And, you know, I'm writing and suddenly it's just like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm going this way. And I'm just sort of <laughs> along for the ride. Right. That's very cool. I think that's cool when that happens. And then, you know, the character is the character that they do certain things and they don't do others. Yep. So do you have a favorite character story or book that you have created so far? That's tough. That is tough. I know. It's kind of like picking amongst your favorites. How do you do that? (laughs) Yeah. I think there is a story that I wrote on the Fantasies Fractured account. It's been reposted in a couple spots called Belong. And it is, uh, it's basically a story about somebody choosing to become a drone. And, you know, that's definitely a a niche kink, I know, but I, (laughs) I enjoy it. And as somebody said, you know, I keep making wholesome smut, even from some of the weirdest kinks, (laughs) which is a great compliment. Yeah. Uh, But the main character in that, we don't hear their name before they become a drone. We just hear their designation after. Because it's a little bit of a, a second person perspective. Sure. And their designation ends up being a hex code for a color, which is D2C001, or it's violet. Ah, okay. It's hex code shade for violet. Sure. Uh, so I tend to just shorthand her as violet for talking about her. Uh-huh. But she is one of those ones that really just sprang up in my head. And I have always enjoyed the way people have reacted to that story very positively and given me a lot of compliments on it, but also really liked her as a character. Nice. And she has now shown up in a couple other stories I've written going from there. Very cool. I love it when when authors do that too. They take a character and then they they grow that character into another story. 
yeah. you know, people like that, then it's just a huge thing to do because then they have more, they get more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would say of the, of the original creations, she is probably one of the, one of, if not the favorite, because she's just had such an interesting life so far. And I've been lucky enough to get some lovely art of her from a couple different artists. Oh! If people check out my Twitter profile, my profile picture on my Twitter actually is a picture of Violet that was done by an artist who goes by the name of Soliant. And it's just, I got it for myself as a, a birthday present myself last year. Oh, nice. Um, I'm looking at it right now because of course I had to look because you mentioned yeah. that. That's very cool. The full-size version it. of that is absolutely one of my favorite pieces of art that I've gotten recently. Nice. Uh, I tend to be one of those people that when I get some money, I know enough artists and have enough friends and who do different kinds of artwork that I tend to be like, Oh, I want to support my friends and get some neat art in the process. Oh yeah. Um, but that is definitely one of my favorites. So yeah, she is, she is definitely up there. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm getting the impression that most of your stuff has a little bit of like fantasy or sci-fi in it. Do you feel that's kind of accurate for your erotica? In a lot of cases, mm-hmm. there are some that are very contemporary, like the story that I alluded to kind of based on some recent events is called Wonderful Things. And it's, you can find it on my Twitter or on the read only mind page that we'll be linking. Okay, uh, And that is one that's more based in reality, but many of them are. It's kind of nice to have freedom to do something fantastic, for lack of a better word. Sure. You know, especially with themes like a transformation or, you know, sometimes you just want to write about a cat girl or, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you want to play with your inner monster fucker a little bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that term. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, you can kind of do some fun little experiments with that you can bend the rules a bit you know you don't have to think about like okay if i'm in this position and they're in this position can we actually do that or will that break somebody's arm you know right. <laughs> uh. exactly yeah, you gotta be careful of that you gotta be safe still right you don't need to go to the emergency room <laughs> yeah risk aware consensual safe sane and consensual you know these are all good things exactly <laughs> And, you know, sometimes you just want to play around with things like that. Or oh, yeah. um, I've got a story that I wrote for an anthology that fortunately didn't go through. And I'm kind of keeping on my uh, back burner, looking for the place where it'll fit to go. Because I'd like to see if I can get it published somewhere else. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, basically somebody summoning a demon and things not going quite the way they expected. Ah, uh, yes. And playing around <laughs> with that. And, and I like playing around with expectations. You know, sometimes... You know, the big scary monster that everybody expects to be the top turns out to be the bottom. Yeah. Or, right. you know, things like that where oh, yeah. the, the quiet, you know, unassuming one is actually the the very in control dom and the boisterous one who's, you know, looks all big and tough turns out to be very soft and demure and a quiet bottom when the tables are turned. So yeah, yeah. I think that's a very interesting twist. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So I have to ask you, you said something about hypno. Is that like you talking about like hypnosis and eroticism? Okay. Tell me more about this. (laughs) So I got interested in hypnosis and particularly erotic hypnosis um, four or five years ago. 
And it was one of those things that had kind of been, I had known it was kind of neat and, you know, kind of got, you know, if I saw something like in a movie or cartoon or, you know, comic or whatever could be like, oh, that's, that's neat. And kind of finally admitting, oh, wow, that's actually hot. Mm -hmm. And realizing that there were stories where people were actually using it to enhance and, and make it even more interesting. There are a lot of stories out there that are a little bit non-consensual and sometimes those are fun and sometimes those are just kind of boring for me. Yeah. What I really like is when the idea of playing with hypnosis, playing with trance and the ways you can use that with triggers to make somebody react a certain way or, you know, there's a neat trick that I've done and had done to me where somebody is in trance and you convince them that their body is just becoming increasingly sensitive. Oh yeah. Beyond, you know, normal. And, you know, the lightest touch might suddenly feel like just like fire going up your arm. And oh, that's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many neat things you can do with that. And my, I guess the best word is goddess because I'm not collared yet, but it's things have been planned and purchased and I've been told that good things come to those who wait. So sure. Sure. Uh, absolutely. But she is actually somewhat well-known erotic hypnotist um, ah. in, in the community. Her name is lady Ruetha. Okay. She's actually it's funny because she's actually one of the few people I know of who could say she's been on TV doing. Ah. <laughs> she was filmed several years ago for a special with the Discovery Channel about, you know, different kinks and stuff like that. And they Very asked her cool. to be a consultant to talk about hypnotic stuff and yeah. she did some demonstrations. But she's really good at playing with things in my head and playing around with her toys and creating and encouraging a lot of different stuff. And I kind of, I read stories. I started writing some stories about it. I had people kind of reach out and say, Oh, is this something you like? Is this something you'd like to try? One of my other partners is also actually a certified hip, uh, certified hypnotist. Um, cool. And both of them have enjoyed doing stuff with me on that front. And I'm not what I'd consider an expert, but I've learned more about it in the last two years to where I feel comfortable being on either the subject or the hypnotist. Sure. But there's just so many fun things you can do because the brain is such a neat toy. Oh yeah. And sometimes it's amazing to see what will happen when you just tell somebody's imagination to take over. I had actually a really fascinating experience in a class where they were talking about hypnotic suggestions and in this case, hypnotic bondage. Okay. Yeah. And the instructor basically demonstrated by putting the room into a trance state mm. and suggested that you were being bound to your chair. And my brain just, he didn't even say how, but my brain just put, oh, there are ropes around my wrists that are tied to the arms of the chair. Sure. And then he said, and now they're binding you further. And immediately my brain just filled in that there were now leather straps on my mm -hmm. forearms. 
sure. like you'd see in a hospital. Hmm. And, you know, and you mentioned, oh, they're going to bind your feet. And suddenly I had, you know, cuffs on my ankles <laughs> and that experience and just the way my brain translated this and kind of revealed, you know, some things that I wanted. Yeah. That was so cool. I was so cool. excited. Yeah. So I really love that. And I've also become, because of the last two years with COVID, a lot of hypnosis community stuff that would have been an in-person event, like a convention or a uh, teaching opportunity or, you know, a, a, a gathering mm-hmm. all went virtual. Sure. And I noticed there was kind of an opening for somebody to talk about how kink in general, but especially hypno kink can be worked with, with disabilities. Oh, sure. And another person also was kind of interested in that as I was kind of saying out loud that I kind of wish there was a class about that. And they said, well, why yeah. don't we make one? Right. So I've been offering that at a couple of different virtual cons and there is Crossing our fingers, there's hopefully going to be a convention in January called Charmed that's okay. held in the uh, Northern Virginia area near DC. Okay. And I'll provide a link for that too, since I'm mentioning them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but as long as the convention actually happens, my plan is to teach that in person for the first time. And I'm excited about that. Very cool. So this is geared towards people that are disabled in some way. Yeah both for people who are disabled in some way, but also for people who are interested in playing with people with disabilities or just making more accessible spaces, Sure. Uh, both for, uh, you know, possibly in like your, your home or your dungeon or for groups that are holding a larger event and ways that, you know, you can consider how to, accommodate and how to make it more inclusive. Oh yeah. This is really fascinating to me right now because maybe like a month ago, I have a fan who is on Instagram and he is disabled and Mm. he contacted me in DMs and he said, would you ever consider writing a story about a man who is disabled and a woman seduces him? And I said, absolutely. And I said, I would love to do that. He said, I feel totally underrepresented. And I said, you're right. That is a huge area of erotica that is not touched. But I said, you know, I'm not disabled. And I said, will you be my consultant? Will Mm -hmm. you read it through and tell me, be my sensitivity consultant, tell me if it's accurate. And he said, yes. So I have written the story. And ironically, I think it's like a day and a half ago, I just published it to Medium. And so I have a story and he, he absolutely loves my story. And he said, one of the things he loves about it is that I don't focus on disability. It's just a part of who he is. So anybody can kind of identify it, but it fits him as he he uses braces. He walks with braces, crutches, Mm -hmm. and I guess he has both braces and crutches. And, and he said to how he would be in a sexual situation. And that's what I wanted to know too. I'm like, you know, how can, how can you do what you want to do to get off, be sexual, to be erotic, to enjoy yourself sexually. And so this topic, I think, you know, everyone talks about underrepresentation. Well, this is a huge area that I don't feel is touched on at all in erotica. It really is. And it's, you know, speaking for somebody who has both physical disabilities and 
you know, some mental health issues. Sure. We like to fuck too. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. A fucking men. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Sorry. I love that. You just said that. That is so true. So accurate and come on. Hell yes. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I've also learned as someone who is into a lot of different kink spaces is a lot of times for people, especially on the autism spectrum or with some other forms of being neuroatypical, Mm -hmm. we love kink stuff and we love BDSM stuff because holy shit, it has rules and we can follow them and we understand them. Um, So it can be so fun to incorporate and think about that. Oh yeah. Uh, And, you know, especially for things, you know, a neat thing about hypnosis, just, this is just a thing hitting my brain as I'm talking out loud. You know, you could be somebody who is unable to use some of your limbs or needs to be in a mobility, you know, needs to use a mobility device or whatever. Yep. But the minute that you connect with their brain or that you're connecting to the other person that way, you know, you can do things that maybe your physical body isn't capable of, but your brain can still fill in those blanks again. Oh yeah. Um, I certainly know I've played with somebody who has some physical issues where some things would be difficult to do in real life, but I have told them, you know, to that every time I use a trigger, they're getting paddled or they're getting bitten or they're being slapped or tied up or whatever. And having that kind of hit them and reacting you know, maybe somebody with a condition like POTS where it's not really safe to tie them up because their blood pressure could crash at any time. Right. But I can tell them that they're tied up and their brain will make them think they're tied up. Yes. And yeah, there's a lot of neat stuff you can do. And even just with, you know, I've done a scene with somebody who warned me they could be nonverbal and, you know, we, talked about okay how do you say for it you know right right um, and we ended up settling on i put a red piece of cloth in their hand and i told them if you need to stop the scene just open your hand let it go yeah yep yep and just such a simple easy tool to make them feel more comfortable and to have fun oh yeah there are so many things you can do that don't have to be verbal i i did an interview recently with uh, bondage expert. He's a, a rope shibari guy. And one of his things was people, some people can clap with their hands, like slamming their fingers down and making like a sound. They're not saying anything. They're not even holding anything, but they're doing a hand signal as mm-hmm. their stop, you know, and that's, that's perfect. Yep. Very yeah. interesting. I've always said, and I believe the brain is our largest sexual organ. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, that's a very intriguing. I think do you do you plan to write more in that area or do where do you see yourself going as far as what's your next project? Well, I want to finish the novel I'm working on. 
I would really like to see that get published, especially because I have a couple sequels already in my head and mm, yeah. partially written out. As far as the hypnosis stuff, that is just a part of my life. So it will yeah. definitely be influencing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like writing smaller stories or stuff that I know is kind of may not have a mainstream appeal, but there's a lot, but I know there's an audience for it. So certainly I'll still be, I'll still be writing stories like that. And, you know, there is something wonderfully hot about having an experience or doing something and having goddess just murmur in my ear. I want you to write about this. Yeah. And so that will certainly also still happen because I know she loves to do that. Yeah, uh, that's... but yeah, just if I have ideas, I'm going to write. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the awesome thing about that is you can keep doing it as much and as long as you want in life. Yep, absolutely. What would you say in your mind is being a success as a writer and author? As long as somebody reads one of my stories and says, I really enjoyed that, or I really saw myself in this. Yeah. That's success. I mean, yes. I would, I would love to release a novel and have it be a bestseller and see, you know, go do like a book tour or some conventions and sign stuff. But really, as long as somebody is connecting with my work and enjoying my work, mm-hmm. I feel like that's success. Oh, absolutely. That is so true. I completely agree. So you talked a little bit about doing research and do you feel like you do a lot of research for your writing and do you tend to do more online or more personal reaching out or kind of a combination of both? It's a combination. I have done a lot of times I like to research places I want to set a story somewhere. Sure. I think a good example, since it's one people can go read right now, is the story Come Down, Come Down that I put in He Will Obey. Yeah. That is kind of set on a fishing boat in the waters off of Ireland. Yep. And I kind of dug into things. Like I actually looked into what's involved in working on one of those boats, what do you have to do? What kind of gear do you need? What's the weather like? Yes. Uh, and being just, I get fascinated by details. Yep. I get, I love exploring a place and finding neat things. I did a story that was a fan fiction story set in New York. And I actually had somebody contact me and ask how long I'd lived there. Oh my gosh. And, what a compliment. Yeah. And I've, you know, I visited like twice in my life, but I've never, <laughs> lived there. So getting that kind of compliment is just such a huge thrill. And for things where I know that it's something that I need to be sensitive about or, or something where I know a sensitivity reader will help. I've made a point of trying to reach out to people and get their advice, get their input, sometimes offering you know, if they come to me and say, Hey, this is not okay. You know, taking that on board and working with them to fix it. But I, I love learning about stuff. I actually got my degree in history. Oh, nice. And so I got a lot of training in 
in research and archiving and stuff like that. So, oh yeah. And details for sure. Yeah. So I've, I've enjoyed exploring that playing around with it. Do you always have an exact location for each story that you write? (sighs) That's kind of a, (sighs) I would say the, it's about 50, 50. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's very, because sometimes the place is a character in the story too. Yes. Like the story I mentioned had to be in New York because it was just such the perfect setting, but also like the way that different boroughs are connected and the the ways that people would gather or move around actually helped move the story forward. And it turned the city itself into part of the cast. Nice. But there are some where the location isn't as important, but the place itself kind of gets attention. You know, talking about stuff going on in a house or an, or an office building, but not necessarily being explicitly like, oh, this is in Chicago or, oh, right. this is in, you know, wherever. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would say, you know, it kind of depends on what is best for that story. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yep. That's very interesting because some stories can take place anywhere and there's mm-hmm. are, like you said, become almost like a character, part of the story. So integral that it's specificity is needed. Yeah. That's so interesting. I have a question for you too. I love to ask this question of all authors and writers that I talk to. What's an early experience where you learned that language had power Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's really a, one. it really makes you think. So when I was a kid, my family would go on car trips sometimes. I grew up in Ohio, mostly. I moved around a little bit because of my dad's job and a few other things. But uh, sometimes we would go driving and you know, go for like a weekend or something like that to go to like West Virginia or Pennsylvania, stuff like that. And one of the first times we took a really long car trip, my dad got the BBC radio tapes of The Hobbit. And I had had parts of the book read to me before. And I had read some of it by that age, but something about the way it was being performed and the actors and the language and the way they really just put the power into the words sure, really opened my eyes a bit. And I, I still remember that. And that kind of became a thing that we started doing that they would get like the Lord of the Rings or my dad's big Douglas Adams fan. So he would get some of the hitchhiker's guide books on tape sure. and start playing those for us as we drove places. Or if something was going on, I remember there was a night where we had a power outage in the middle of August and it was just like insanely hot for, yeah. you know, 10 or 11 year old me who yeah. was used to air conditioning and all. Mm-hmm. And we were in the live, you know, they basically had us all go down to the living room. So it'd be a little cooler. And my dad put on 
I want to say it was the Lord of the Rings. Okay. And we just listened to that on a battery powered tape player until the power came back. And that was just kind of a magical, you know, experience. It's something I've always remembered. So I think that that was really where the love affair with words definitely started. That's a great story. And I, I agree. I think audio narration of stories can add a whole nother layer, really open up a book, open up words to a whole new experience. That's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that is very cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So what's a typical writing session for you? Like describe that. Do you sit down and write down like huge chunks or are you kind of more of a writer that does like little snippets here and there? Kind of depends on the day and how my energy is flowing. But usually for me, uh, I will either sit at, I have a desk in my living room that kind of looks out on the front yard, or I have a desk in my bedroom where kind of my setup is for doing like gaming and stuff. But I will usually have, I used to work in Word or sometimes just text editor. And I, I kind of settled on Google Docs because it's the easiest way to share stuff quickly with people and yeah, it access is. it from oh. anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I usually will have, you know, if it's a brand new story, I'll open up a blank document or if it's an existing one, I have a few works in progress right now. And sometimes I'll kind of look at what's in progress and something will kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, you need to work on this. Sure. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> and if that's not really working, sometimes I just look for the oldest one and say, okay, I haven't written in this for a bit. Let's see if I can get something. And what I usually set a goal for, there was a thing I learned about a few years ago. Um, Terry Pratchett was asked about how he wrote. Okay. And he said, I write 400 words a day. Oh. And it doesn't matter if they're good and it doesn't matter if they're bad, but I need to write at least 400 words a day. Interesting. And so I tried to kind of take that and use it. And, you know, even if I'm having a day where I'm just pulling teeth and nothing is flowing easily, if I can get 400 words into that story and, you know, say, okay, I wrote something and I can go back and edit it later. Yes. Or rewrite it or toss it somewhere else and go from there. But that's kind of how I've tried to handle it. And it helps. I'm notorious for sometimes having really rough writer's block. I had one story that it took me three years to write the final four chapters because I just could not get my brain to get over the barrier that was there yeah. until it finally broke. And all of a sudden, like 20,000 words flew like water. <laughs> but, you know, I've found that, you know, kind of making that, okay, you just have to do a little bit and you have a goal and you can work towards it has been helpful for me. That makes sense. And it gives you a goal and an expectation, but it doesn't make it too heavy. I can see how that would work. Yeah. So typically that's kind of how I work. And usually I like to have a little bit of music sometimes in background, or I'm I'm not really a mechanical person, but I like classic cars. Okay. And sometimes when they have like those classic car auctions on cable. And I'll just put that on in the background and 
you know, I can see some pretty cars and just kind of hearing the auctioneers and the commentators kind of quietly going on in the background just kind of turns into white noise. Sure. And sometimes that really helps. That's interesting. Yeah. I've heard other people talk about that too. It's interesting. I love learning about how other people write because we all write differently. And I just, it's fascinating to me. (laughs) Can you think of one to three people who have influenced you the most with regards to your writing? So the first one is an author named Lois McMaster Buholt. Okay. She writes science fiction and fantasy stuff and was a very early influence in terms of stuff I was reading, but I was lucky enough to actually get to meet her and talk to her about writing and go to a couple of workshops she did. Nice. And her guiding principle was always, what's the worst thing I can do to this character? Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. do it. Uh, That's been an influence. Um, (laughs) There is a erotica writer who goes by the name Samantha Nona. Okay. Who I really love her work. I really like how they portray both. They do stuff does tend to have a hypnosis bent to it or a mind okay. control bent, mm-hmm. uh, but I really like how they describe those sensations, how they kind of build their stories. Sure. Uh, so I'm a very big fan of them. Um, and I would say one of the other big influences on me is my poly family because they not only inspire my writing but a lot of times it's fun to just talk about ideas and and brainstorm and creativity um and actually one other one that i would say is um there is a author who goes by the name of jukebox okay again is a mind control and hypnosis and other types of erotica writer his work has been fantastic because it's really technically well done. It's hot. And he is somebody that really does a lot of work around inclusion and diversity in his characters and in his stories. Nice. And he also plays around with a lot of twists. Okay. Uh, He published a story just the other day that was a, a story of a, worker a woman who is a retail worker and her vampire dom and the vampire dom being the one who you know kind of taking care of them after working a double shift and making sure that they got to bed at a reasonable hour and making sure they ate some food and massaging their feet and then you know taking a little nip from them as they went to bed just to have their own little snack Uh just being really caring and attentive and kind of gently dominant with them was a lot of fun. Very nice. Sounds very intriguing. He is also on uh, the Read Only Mind website, and he also publishes stuff on a a site called the Erotic Mind Control Stories Archive. Okay. So those are both out there. And he has, like everybody else these days, he has a Patreon. So certainly I would recommend his work. I would recommend Sammy's work. If you're interested in sci-fi and fantasy, I absolutely recommend Behold's Forkosigan Saga and her Curse of Chalion books. They're both really neat series. But yeah, those are those are all pretty 
significant influences and significant models, I would say. Very cool. That sounds very interesting. And definitely people should check them out. It sounds like if they're interested in that. What, what, what advice do you have for people who are just starting out in writing erotica? Do you have any advice or things that you've learned that you'd like to share? Don't be afraid to do it. You know, if it feels like something you want to do, even if you're kind of like, oh, I'm not that good at writing, or I'm not sure if this is going to, you know, will people like this? You know, if it's something that you need to do, do it. Yep. And I would say, don't be afraid to put it out there because the right people will find it. Yeah. You know, if it's something that's a little unconventional, or even if it's something that's, you know, pretty straight vanilla, you know, whatever, if you write it and you have, if you show your passion and your interest in your writing, people are going to see that and people will connect with it. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there and don't be afraid to just do it and have fun. Great advice. And I totally back that. I totally agree. Just, and you just got to do it too. You got to take that step at some point, instead of just letting it sit there and sit there and worrying and worrying at some point, you got to put it out into the world. You got to just take that leap of faith and do it. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Adam Savage from Mythbusters. And there was a thing he said about, creating you have to do the thing you can't not do Ah. and i've kind of been living by that ever since i heard it because it also kind of applied to other stuff going on in my life my transition Uh personal growth you know making some choices that you just have to do the thing you can't not do i like that that sounds like a good thing to have on your wall on a plaque (laughs) yeah i can definitely see that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Well, in closing, is there anything else that you would like to add or point out or talk about? I would say, you know, if things like HypnoKink interest people, uh, there's a lot of great resources out there. You can find a lot of interesting stuff online there. If you just kind of want to read some stuff, there is a book by a guy who goes by the name of Wise Guy called Mind Play that has a new edition, I think, coming out pretty soon. And I recommend his work. And there is a really neat book on memory play by an author named Leah Lure. And it's just fascinating. I'll have to see if I can dig the links up for both of those to send to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. uh, Those are both really fun ways to, to learn about stuff. And, you know, if something catches your eye, even if you've never, if you've never really explored it, but you hear somebody talking about it, you're like, oh, that sounds kind of hot, you know, go check it out. You might just find something you want. Exactly. It can't hurt, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed our chat today. I've learned a lot and I learned a lot about your writing and I'm really excited about the future. And I just, it was really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I had a lot of fun too. You have a good day. You too. Take care. You too. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you get the Femdom Coven. I'm going to put the link down in the podcast notes so that you can easily access it. I hope you enjoy our book. It's great for this time of year for Halloween. 
Yeah, well, any time of year, <laughs> but especially right now when all things spooky and erotic and horror are just super fun, extra fun. I hope you get our book and enjoy it. Come with us on this journey. Get enchanted. Get scared. Get turned on. Get intense. Get sexy, steamy, erotic. Get mesmerized. From the Femdom Coven, edited by Jay Willoway. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your thoughts in a review from the site you bought it from. Thank you so much for listening, and please connect with me online on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, share some. Oh, gosh, where else am I? I am on Tumblr and and you can always visit my website at ruinwillowauthor.com. My books, both written and audiobooks, can be found on Amazon. Okay, thank you so much for listening, and I really appreciate your support and your interest. You have a sexy fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.